There it is, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Hey, are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you you using this show to power you through a workout or a run? Oh, we are going to be with you for 90 minutes of gaming goodness. And DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda. Oh, Linda! And Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, slash friend, slash nemesis. The guy who's holding it down in the States while I'm gone. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. I, it, the the holding, it's, um, yeah, whew, uh, you left me. <laughs> uh, um, hey, how are you? Well, this is a weird episode because uh, I am actually not in the country right now. I'm traveling with my wife. We're on a vacation. We recorded this early, so if you're tuning in because you heard some amazing, crazy gaming news and you want to hear our take on it, you are going to be sorely disappointed because we don't uh, – I don't know what happened uh, at this point. It's hard to believe Sony hired Miyamoto. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when I get back next week. Um, we, uh, we're recording this in advance, and you're hearing it uh, a little late. But the good news is that because of the magic of time travel, that allows Christian and I to have on a guest we've been wanting to have for a long, long time. So you know that DLC stands for your downloadable Kanata. And your downloadable Christian. But this week we're excited because DLC stands for dogs, laughs, and chicken wings. Because we have the king of the internet himself. Oh, kind of funnies. Game over, Greggy. Mr. Greg Miller. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jeff and Christian. How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for making this happen. Oh, uh, dude, we... thank you for putting up with me. I know my schedule's always been a beast. We've been trying to do this for like a year and a half. <laughs> Ye That's lord true. of internet, feel yes. not for your schedule. <laughs> I have to look. I have to watch over my fiefdom. <laughs> I would not That's want right. that fiefdom of the internet. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're unruly masses out there. <laughs> they are indeed. Uh, no, we're excited. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a long, long time, and uh, so the fact that we're recording early made it possible. So. Um, this episode's going to be a little different. We're not going to talk story of the week. We're not going to do our usual uh, news rundown stuff. So um, I thought it would be fun to just kind of, first of all, talk a little about you. And I know everybody knows you. And Are they better? You know, as king of the internet. Yeah, as king <laughs> of the better, internet, yeah. They, At, do you not love your leader? <laughs> all the serfs have to pay, pay liege lord their, uh, their due. But um, – you know, I, I you and I have just sort of started becoming friends recently, and I don't sure. know I don't know a lot about your gaming history. Like what? Oh wow! What got you into game? I mean, maybe this is ground you've covered a million times on on your channel and stuff. No, but I'm sure you have an audience that's never heard of me, and so they need to know why they hate me. They need to learn real <laughs> quick why most of the internet hates me. So no, uh, I mean uh, for me it all starts with Ghostbusters. Yeah, the movie. Or yeah, the video game. I, it, well, it start, I mean, it starts with the movie in nineteen, you know, what? Geez, eighty five, eighty six. I remember my parents keeping me awake to watch HBO and Ghost. On, uh, I'm sorry, watch HBO to see Ghostbusters, and uh, that started my love affair with everything Ghostbusters. And so, you know, eventually that led to weekly Toys R Us runs to get new figures and see what the real Ghostbusters had out and get the new Proton Pack and so on and so forth. The and real one, Ghostbusters. Oh, the not real Ghostbusters, not these guys with the monkey. I don't want these monkey Ghostbusters coming down. <laughs> All right, get right. out of here, you freaking guys trying to steal. Copyrights. 
Uh, but it made it led to my mom making a, a critical error in her life, life where she walked down the video game aisle. And we were going and going and going, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the Ghostbusters logo. And I turned and slammed my finger against the glass, and I said, what is that? She Just said, one wrong turn. Yes, if, she had, if she'd walked down the like the bicycle aisle at Toys R Us. I'd be Lance Armstrong right now. <laughs> if, they had a, if they had an Ecto-1 bicycle, I'd be a world-class bicycle guy. <laughs> right. If they would have had, a, if they would have had a Ghostbusters baseball bat, maybe I, you know, I'd be paying her mortgage right now, and I'd be yeah. playing in the MLB. But she went down the video game aisle, and I saw, and here's where it gets really sad. I saw Ghostbusters on the Sega Master System. Yeah, that was a good oh. game, though. It was a great game, but a shitty system. Yeah, and I bad was like, system. I, I put my finger to it, and I'm like, I want that one. I want that. And so she's like, all right, maybe for your birthday, I'll come around. So Uncle Mike, Uncle Mike bought the game. My parents bought the system, and I was off to the races with video games. Wow, that's awesome. And so... Uh, what do you consider that to be your favorite game of all time, or is it just sort of no. the most nostalgic? No, 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 no. It's, I mean, it's nostalgic. That's you're talking about where I started with video games and how it yeah. all came to be for me. Like that was the first step, right? That's what got mm-hmm. me in the door. And then I was I had the unfortunate uh, life of being a Sega kid for a long, long time until the Saturn broke me, and then I finally switched over to you know having a okay, fine, I'll have an N64, I'll have a PlayStation, I'll play a little bit of everything. So you were on kept a, going. a cold mountain in Wyoming, and it was just you and the Saturn alone in a tent? Yeah, we were just taking shots of whiskey, and I'm like, you did this to us. <laughs> this is you your put fault. us into this place. Uh, that was the thing the when Ghost the Dreamcast Busters. came out. No matter how good the Dreamcast looked, I was like, there's no way. I've been burned. Like, I can't go back to Sega. I can't go back to them. They've hurt me too many times. I never got really? burned. I never. I felt so bad. I, I, I was with them to the bitter end, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's a long, tough road. Some of the best games ever made, I still think, are Sega games, but what... What an abusive relationship, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And I was that guy. I was the guy that uh, made a deal with my friend, and I was like, okay, I'll buy the Dreamcast, and you buy the PlayStation, uh, and then we have all our bases covered. And uh, and then, you know, I didn't get to go over to his house as often as I wanted to play PlayStation, and I was yeah. just the guy that had the Dreamcast. And I was like, I got the bum end of this deal, man. <laughs> that was the thing of, like, that slow realization that you had backed the wrong horse as a kid. Like, when yeah. I had the Master System and I'd go to every friend's house and they had an NES and they were all talking about Mario, and I'm like, who is this plumber? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't... What's, this, what's this duck hunt knockoff? I have a light gun game at home, too, and it's not this. I was even worse. My dad was like, we are a PC family. You will be a PC gamer mm. if you you know there will be no NES in our house, and we uh, you know I had the uh, CGA four color games, and that's what I was rocking on my PC during everybody else is playing Mario and Gyromite and Duck Hunt, and I'm like, uh, I have a I have a computer, I can program basic games. That's what I can do. <laughs> like all that, in the end, that worked out. In the end, now you have unlimited cred with the PC Master Race, where they just they understand you're one of them. Yes, it only took twenty years. <laughs> 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 like I'll get behind some resolution gate and uh you know console wars of this current generation but man it's crazy like people that are playing now you know arguing over 900p versus 1080p yep. versus like you know when we were growing up like you, we bought the same game it was called the same thing but it was totally different on each system like there was no yep. p's or whatever it was like dude how are you enjoying uh ninja turtles what <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'm stuck in the yeah. sewer level. There's no sewer I have, level. I have ninja raccoons on my my system. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. That's the funny thing of like you know when when now when you try to play Ghostbusters, like when I want to play the Master System version, you have to be so specific if you're looking at ROMs for it. Because if you get the NES or the Atari one, the game's completely different and it's missing huge chunks. And you're like, where where's Stay Puff jumping in front of the apartment building? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? That didn't happen. I'm like, it happened yeah. for me. It was real to me. <laughs> where's my childhood? <laughs> 
Yeah, you're so right, Christian. It's, the the difference now is people are like, well, look at the Xbox version. We'll look at the PlayStation version. If you look at side by side on the web, you'll see that there are you know it's slightly the blacks faded are blacker. Out. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if you look with a microscope, you can check it out. But man, in our day, it was it was completely different. I had to try and, to defend Hyperstone Heist over Turtles in Time. You know what I mean? Like I carry yeah. that burden with me today. And that's the thing is, I wish I could go back and apologize to my friends because you know, you, 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 like I was like, this is uh, clearly Nintendo sucks. Sega's awesome. And you look now, you play the Genesis collection, you do anything, you're like, oh, no, it wasn't. I was wrong. Like the fact that I was there making a, a, a real case for Sonic the Hedgehog over Super Mario World, I just like put my head in my hands. I'm like I can't believe, I can't believe this was my life. I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, and and history has borne that out. But I, I think those early Sonic games were pretty great. And sure, I actually, they were good. I'm actually a big defender of Sonic Adventure too. What? Wait, Sonic Sonic Adventure number two or Sonic? Adventure? No, 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 no. T O O. Sonic Adventure two is garbage. Uh, Sonic the first Sonic Adventure on Dreamcast. Oh, you were you weren't experiencing Dreamcast, but uh, I was, and I really dug that game. It yeah. had a lot of flaws, but yeah, it's it also cool. garbage. Go replay. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I suppose you're right. Uh, so, so Greg, what what do you consider to be your your favorite game of all time? Now, see, this is something that I've gone back and forth on a long, for a while now, and I've I finally, you know, right before I left IGN, we had to do this, you know, our list of our games, and that, and I finally started saying it and not being ashamed of it because I feel like it's too recent. But my favorite game of all time is Metal Gear Solid: Peace Walker. Wow, great! And game. that's a it's a bold choice. It's still very fresh in the memory, and that's why I don't like saying it because for years I said Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation One is one of the game that. For me, like when I think back to you know like tentpole games in my life, like Ghostbusters, like I said, pops up immediately, and then Metal Gear Solid might be just as important because I you know since the fourth grade I've said I wanted to write about video games that was going to be my career I was going to do that eventually, and when we get to high school, uh, I remember starting to feel like I you know I'm playing a lot of any N64 and I'm like. This is fun, but is this all there is? You know what I mean? And not yeah. to, you know, take a swipe at Nan64 or anything, but it's, you know, it's cute, it's cartoony, it's this, it's, you know, it's mascot games still and stuff like that. And I remember being like, is this all there is to games? And is this really something I'll be playing when I'm, you know, when I'm an old man at 30, I remember thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I remember we got the PlayStation 1, and me and my friend Poe went out to a Blockbuster one night and rented Army Men and rented Metal Gear Solid. And we played Army Men for about. 30 minutes before we're like this is complete and utter garbage and then popped in metal gear and just played it like straight through in one like super long you know late night session where you walk out in the six in the morning and i remember being like at the end of it this is the future of games games can tell you a story games can be like a movie games can make you feel things that was the big thing because you mean you get to like you know the sniper wolf battle or all these you know your relationship with meryl the the torture scene and you're like damn this isn't mario this isn't something that's just surface level okay this is what's happening for me and i know for a lot of people that was final fantasy you know seven through four or whatever but for me it was metal gear that was the one where i was like oh my god like games can touch me in a way i didn't expect them to so what was your peace walker experience was it uh psp or did you or you a hd remaster oh no no i was psp all the way like i know that was the thing is like when i when i got to ign you know the first thing they did like a month in after i learned the systems was like all right you know and you can you, you can build the the psp page on ign and i i was like oh man 
what a cool promotion. They believe in me. When in reality, <laughs> it was like, nobody cares about the PSP. This kid's got to learn how to build pages. If he screws up PSP, who cares? Yeah. And so, <laughs> no I one's going to read it anyway. Exactly. No one's checking this page. We see the traffic. He could put up a naked lady at top, and it would be three days before somebody would notice. Uh, so, you know, I, I got into it, and I took it very seriously as I took everything there. And, I you know, I became the PSP guy. And so I was the guy trying to play everything on that system to be able to talk, you know, intelligently about it. And so, that, right, you know, shortly thereafter, the, Sony does their, you know, Destiny playstation event where they announce all these games that are coming out you know kojima's like i'm making a metal gear that's just for psp all these different things so it was this perfect storm of it being my beat you know what i mean like i'm I, you know, I'm, I'm a newspaper reporter at heart i guess and that was my beat was playstation and psp specifically so when i get metal gear solid i'm sent to the review event and it's my favorite you know franchise of all time i'm sent to this review event it's in san francisco it's not one of the fancy ones it's a psp game so it's not a fancy <laughs> review event they just send you and a whole bunch of other journalists into one room to play psp next to each other but it was two days of playing this game and just being able to focus on it because that's what I always I, I, you know, I don't know how it is for you guys but the thing that I miss the most I mean you know, people think you're reviewing games or covering games or doing all the stuff that you just sit there and play games when in reality you're trying to fit them in wherever you can for sure and so yeah. when events like this come around where it's like alright now you have two days to sit there and like you have to shirk your real responsibilities and ignore your email that's awesome and so that was just a good experience period but then the game itself I think is always the Metal Gear game I really point to and say if you want to jump in and understand where Metal Gear is or what why people love it so much, this is the one to go to. There's no, you know, la le lula la lo lo of Metal Gear Solid 4 where you don't know anything that's happening if you're not keeping up with the expansive history. Here, you know, there's a simple story, right, that you are big boss, you killed your mentor, now there's this woman who shows up with a tape recorder that says she's alive. You have to go figure this out. And maybe, you know, these guys, you don't trust them, but you have to go because you have to know. And it's got these beautiful, you know, comic cutscenes. It's fully voice acted. It's this story that's great on top of the fact that I think it's the best gameplay the series have ever had in terms of pop in, there's short levels, there's missions. It's built for a portable system, right? It's not shoehorned in there where it's like, well, I have 15 minutes to play, so I'm going to be caught in the middle of a cutscene and never actually get to anything. You're you're meant to play this in short get in there do missions extract guys replay missions try to get a better you know rating on it try to get more things out of it extract different things use different weapons and then of course all the systems that are laid on top of it in terms of building your own metal gear outer ops where you're sending the mission you know you capture these guys you assign them to your food team or your r&d team and then you have people on a combat team that you can send out that'll bring you more res- it's just like it was like the everlasting gobstopper right like i didn't want to stop playing it ever I think even more than being the, a great, you know, portable game in hindsight, where I think it's ended up, is a lot of other console games have aped from its design in terms oh, of, yeah. yeah, sitting down and playing The Witcher for five hours is fun, but you know, you look at the the metrics, and a lot of people don't do that. You know, you get in for fifteen minutes, and you want to have that full experience um, of a play session, but also feel like you're doing something bigger and better, and and part of this larger whole. And yeah, and Peace Walker you know, did that so well, because you could do, you could fire up one mission, send out your recon teams, and then come back to it and keep playing because the story's pulling you through. Or, you know, if dinner, if it's dinner time, or you got to go work out or whatever you, you do, you walk away feeling complete and not like, oh, I, I did nothing in that hour. Exactly. You achieved something. You've done something. And that was the thing of like, even when I was on, I remember, you know, when I was, I, I put like 90 hours into Peace Walker. And so like when I'd be on the train, like, I don't know how well, if you remember this, there was a way where you could ping wi-fi signals and then go fight new guys that would bring them into your base and there would be entire train rides where i would just do that over and over and over (laughs) again because by the time i got done getting these guys into my base i'd be to another wi-fi signal i could ping and try to grab it yeah uh the boss battles uh that's the only thing i think if you play solo i i soloed the game 
Um, yeah. But some of those boss fights are, I think they're the hardest of the series because I think they were going for that Monster Hunter-esque yep. approach. Yep. And there's one, oh, maybe three-fourths through the game. You're in a, it felt like a coliseum almost against yep, one I know of exactly what you're talking about with the flying one. I think it was the chrysalis, right? Where yeah. You, like the, yeah, you're you're just running around pillars trying to take cover, trying to find the right thing to get it. And yeah, it's you're you're doing chip damage basically over and over again until you finally take it down. Yeah. Jeff, did you jump in? Did you, were you have you experienced the the beauty, the passion that is Peace Walker? No, I I never played Peace Walker. You're a piece Walker. of garbage. I am a piece <laughs> of garbage. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this though. One of the things I wanted to do on this episode is is pepper in uh listener feedback and and questions. We got a bunch of questions that were sent in and one of them uh was from this guy Dippin who who said he never got into Metal Gear and uh he keeps hearing about it and he says with Metal Gear Solid 5 coming out, he's not sure whether to jump in or not since he's never played any other games and he's concerned about not knowing the story and if he'd be able to follow what's going on. Uh he says he's probably going to skip it. Um, I am, I, I'm a, a different case, I think, and, and a weird case and maybe not typical. I, I played the first one and liked it a lot on the original PlayStation and was blown away by all that stuff that everybody always talks about, Psycho Mantis and all the crazy, like, meta stuff that, that, uh, Kojima was doing with that game. You like Castlevania! <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I loved all that, but then somehow I, 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 like, fell out of that series a little bit and just kind of lost interest with it, and... When 4 came out, I was doing the Totally Rad show, and we reviewed 4, and that was the first Metal Gear game that I played from start to finish in a long time, and I really liked it, which really? is kind of counterintuitive because, yeah, the story made absolutely no sense, but I just <laughs> yeah. sort of I sort of chalked it up to the fact that it wasn't going to make any sense anyway, you know? Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just crazy pants, and, and there's a certain fun in just how zany it gets, but from a gameplay perspective, I really enjoyed it, and from a... You know, from a ride perspective, like all the all the crazy stuff, like the ending where you're mashing the button and all that stuff. I I, oh, I really appreciated. Yeah. yeah, I appreciated the like the level of ingenuity he brings to the game. Um, so I'm excited for five coming out, but I'm certainly not. I know Christian and, and both of you guys are, you know, real Metal Gear heads, and I'm I'm just I'm not that way at all. But I can appreciate the game sort of casually if that makes that makes sense. sense. No, no, and that yeah. that's actually fascinating to hear and interesting because I know. When Colin and I were still at IGN, we did you know the top twenty-five list every year for PlayStation Three games, and every year we left Metal Gear Solid Four off it, even though IGN gave it a ten, and I was the second opinion saying, "Yeah, this game's a masterpiece." But my argument always was is that if you don't know this game, like I, the, for me, you know, top twenty-fives were always like, "Yeah, you just bought the system. Here's the best stuff to play." My argument was always like, if you've never played a Metal Gear game and you get dropped into this Metal Gear game, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. I always thought top 25s were here's 25 ad views for different pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, In the end, they stopped doing that. <laughs> so it sounds like your guys' advice for for our friend Dippin here, who sent this in, is is Peace Walker. It sounds like that's the that's the entry game. Or do you think he could just jump into five and and have fun? I would. Pl- I mean, sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Greg. Go ahead, no, you go. You go first, Christian. I would say you can Peace Walker. The HD version of Peach. Peace Walker is very well done. Um, if you have an old system, you know, last gen system lying around, or a Vita, and you can and you can experience that. It's it's a good way to jump in. I also think, um, oh man, what's the prequel called? Metal Ground the, Zeroes. Yes, Ground Zeroes. I don't know how Crazy Town. Uh, come, my lady, come, come, my. Uh, gosh, that you're band. my butterfly, sugar baby. It's forever a horrible earworm in my. <laughs> um, I like how they just did that song and they were like, "All right, see ya." I have a. <laughs> yeah. I can tell a story about that dude. Um. I don't know how crazy five will get. It looks like it will get pretty crazy, 
but Ground Zeroes is until the very very end um, is is a good jumping in point in terms of understanding the mechanics, what the yep. game is, who this character is. Um, so I think maybe play that. I think it was PS Plus too if you if uh, you had it and you picked it up. Um, it's games with gold right now, so you could get it for free if you're Xbox Live. Yeah, so yeah, jump on that and play it and see. And then when five comes out, you know, wait. <laughs> Don't buy it day one for sure. But I have a feeling that it's they're going to try to make it a little more accessible than four because, f- and I could be way wrong, and if, you know, Greg or Jeff, you know more, let me know. But I feel like four was this bow on the end of something, and, mm-hmm. and five, they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Here no, we go. You're right there, yeah. I've played two days of Metal Gear Solid Five, and I think it's it's it falls into the category in terms of story. Yeah, if you played Ground Zeroes, if you played Peace Walker, if you played everything, you're going to get more out of it. But I feel like they deviate enough to that and start a new story quick enough to where you're just going to be like, all right, this guy was screwed over by people, and now he's kind of just out there doing his thing. So whatever, now we're going to go. And like what you're talking about, like, Ground Zeroes, right, is a great, if you wanted to jump in right now and try it for free, get the mechanics down, you'd understand how the game plays and feels a bit more, but then when they take that and drop it into that open world they've created, it's like, that's when it gets amazing. That's when it gets like, oh my goodness, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm so excited about with Metal Gear Solid Five is that for me, when I first saw screens for Ground Zeroes and all these different things, I was like, and people would come back and tell me about it, they're like, dude, it, it feels a lot like Peace Walker. And I was like, oh, n- no way. So when I sat down to play Ground Zeroes, and I was like, oh, okay, it's close, cool. It's not Peace Walker 2. When I sat down to play Phantom Pain, Phantom Pain is, is Peace Walker 2. And I can't only I can even fathom the number of hours I'm going to put into this game when I get it. That's awesome. So <clears throat> Dippin's other question was, do we have a game or series that we skipped over or not played because it was too daunting or the barrier to entry seemed too high to start? So do you have anything like that, Greg? I mean, a good example is the Final Fantasy ones. And I know that's not like a great answer seeing as how they're not like all connected. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But it's one of those where I tried, you know, I remember when Final Fantasy VII was hitting and everybody loved it and I jumped in and tried it and I was just like, oh, I just... I just don't like the mechanics of this game. You know what I mean? So, like, it was one of those where I'll put it down and get back to it later and then never did and never touched any of the other ones. And now when people talk about it, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, that's a giant series that I have no love for and never actually played. Yeah, you sort of get um, jealous of those people's attachment to to things because you hear them talk about it wistfully. Just hearing you guys talk about Metal Gear, I feel like I missed out for that series. You know, Well, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you missed that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Final Fantasy, sure, whatever. You missed out on Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. You know, there are there are game series in recent in recent times that I felt that way about, like, the Dark Souls series. And then mm. circumstances conspired to have me play Dark Souls 2, and then I got really into it. And I was like, oh, my God, I get it. And the same thing with MOBAs, right? I was, I was always at the oh, outside geez, looking MOBAs in. Oh, a great one. Yeah, I was I was outside looking in on on Dota and and League, and then Here's of the Storm came out, and now it owns my life. And I'm like, oh, I understand the cult of MOBA. I understand why people play this constantly. Um, so so th- so I I don't think it's ever too late, is what I'm saying. You know, you can still you can still you can still play Final Fantasy if you want. Yeah, but I still don't like the ma- mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like maybe that'll change one day, but it, I don't know. Like I I'm very I'm. I, I, I'd like to think I'm not, but I am super fickle when it comes to games. Like, there's just things about games that turn games off to me. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. this is great and that's great, but if the setting is set where it's like, yeah, like Monster Hunter times or Renaissance times or what, you know what I mean? Like, it's immediately a turn off to me. And so, like, whenever, and when we get into high fantasy, that usually is, like, there's exceptions. Like, I love Skyrim, I love Witcher, but there has to be something really, truly like a hook to get me, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? A great example yeah. is like JRPG battle systems, turn based battle. I'm not a big fan of it, right? But 
Persona is always the exception because I love the setting Persona puts you in of like, you're this kid, you're in school, something crazy is happening, fix it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that speaks to me and makes me want to play the stuff. That's so interesting. I was just having this conversation with Tom Merritt at the uh, at Nertacular. We were talking – I would sat in on his panel, uh, the Sword and Laser panel, and uh, you know, Sword and Laser is, is fantasy and sci-fi. And I said when I was growing up, I was all about fantasy – or sci-fi. I was all – I was like forward thinking. I wanted to live in the future. I couldn't believe all the technology that was happening around me. I read science fiction books. I watched science fiction movies. I was all about science fiction video games. I was, I like that's the the headspace that I wanted to be in. And at a certain point, it switched. And now I'm much more interested in old stuff and you know that sort of high fantasy idea of an ancient time where all we had was a sword or magic mm-hmm. or you know lore that fell out of the history books. That stuff is so, so much more interesting to me now, and 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 I'm less interested in Mass Effect and science oh, fiction wow. settings because I feel like too often they're just like gobbledygook that has to do with the like thousand years in between now and then that they don't sure. talk about what's happening in that moment in time. They talk about the stuff like Destiny is the same way. Feels like oh the forerunners and the people and Halo too. Everything that happened in the last thousand years is the most important stuff, and I'm just uncovering that rather than like the thing that's happening today while I'm playing in the current timeline is the most important thing, and that frustrates me. But. No, I hear you. That makes sense, and because you figure, but it's like with Mass Effect, right? Like so much of that would be so boring to play in the moment of like, well, we're setting an exposition out to or an exp- <laughs> expedition out to Pluto. Oh, they found this mass relay. Let's research it for ten years. <laughs> like ah, geez. well, that's the problem, right? That how can Star Wars doesn't have that problem, right? Star Wars isn't is is has history, but it's about what's happening right now. There's a freaking battle between the rebels and the Imperials. It's like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like no, a, no, lot you're of those, good points. a lot of those games have a problem, and and the first Mass Effect, I remember like. I was playing and playing and playing, and you get to the very end, and you literally walk up to a computer, and it downloads all the information you need. And it's like, here's everything you need to know right now. Do you want to read our Wikipedia entries? And it's like, <laughs> that's not exciting. Anyway, Chris, Christian, what's your uh, what's your answer to this uh, series that you are intimidated by? I mean, the short answer is a lot. There's too many, right? I mean, people that have listened yeah. to this show, um, and we can confirm before that and whatever I've done – you know, I'm proud to scream from the top of any mountain that the series that I love, but every series I don't talk about. <laughs> it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I'm, you know, you miss one and you're scared to get in. Borderlands, I've never gave a fair shake to, and I'm sure I'd love, and I know it's not lore heavy, but it's just kind of like, I never, you know, I never did it. Assassin's Creed, I love the idea of those games, and I've played some of many of them, but I don't know if something about the follow missions or the game like something about that just doesn't click so i've i've stayed away from that franchise and then you know even going back to like um ps2 days with, or I'm, I'm sorry yeah well a lot of rpgs so not even final fantasy per se but uh oh what's the cloud game granat no um grandia uh, grandia grandia on, on gamecube oh um dude grandia 2 is like my one of my favorite games of all time and, I, it, and you keep saying that i know and i just yeah. can't I had a GameCube, I, and uh, the pile of shame for this type of thing is is so big because there are so many <laughs> amazing games no. and franchises, and the internet makes every everyone seem like it's the only game to be playing. You know, you go to NeoGAF or Shuruken, and it's like, dude, you're not playing Street Fighter still? You idiot. <laughs> the community's amazing. <laughs> and then the Halo fans are, are, are going crazy on Waypoint, and... I get in there and I just feel anxiety and I'm like, yeah, I know Batman. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, dude, is 
I feel like when we were all growing up playing games, the games you were talking about, Greg, you know, growing up and going to the store and buying a game or going to Blockbuster and renting a game and finishing it in, in a weekend, uh, I feel like those games were more like a movie where you played them and you finished them and you moved on. And now I feel like the landscape of video games is these deep, deep cultures where you can play a game, you know, MOBAs are a great example, but even something like Spelunky, where it's like it's it's people's daily activity for years. Yeah. And you specialize in, in these one games and and I find that to be completely intimidating. It's like, well, I can't just dabble in Spelunky. You know, I have to like it has to become a lifestyle. Sure. That was the biggest problem with uh, when I when I was reviewing games, right? Is that, you know, pre-release, I'm in these games, I'm loving these games, I'm kicking ass on multiplayer things, and then as soon as it's released to the community, my coverage of it start, stopped, and I'd do something else during the day, and then I'd come home and try to play, and you just get your teeth pumped down your throat, and everybody's <laughs> like, well, you're a fake gamer, you didn't even play this game, and it's like, no, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. for me, the great example is DC Universe Online. Like, DC Universe Online was, you know, it's, it's literally, I went to Catholic school growing up, right? And when we'd go around the room and they'd talk about what do you think heaven is, I would always say, well, my I think everybody's version of heaven is different, and my version of heaven would be living in Metropolis with superpowers. So DC <laughs> Universe Online is literally my version of heaven. I'm so, and I'm so, so sorry. Awesome. Oh, dude, I put more than 500 hours into that game. No, I, what's, I love What's hell? DC hell is living in Gotham City with exactly. superpowers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, like, I, you know, I put so many hours in that game, 500 hours. You th- but then when I play it or show somebody, like, people are always like, oh, man, your loadout sucks. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to DPS, da, da, da. I'm like, I try. I try really hard. But I get distracted for, you know, months, if not years at a time and come back to it later. And everything's different. Or there's, there's just people who that's all they play. And right. it's like I wish in a way I could be that person, that I could be that dedicated to one game. But I'm on to having to play Swindle on Vita and do this other thing. And, oh, my God, everybody's gone to the Raptures coming out and Metal Gear. and You know what I mean? It's like, geez, Louise. What's your yeah. main in Swindle? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's alive. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel like uh, it's not just – you know, I watch the, the Games Done Quick stuff. And that's a level of commitment and dedication to single titles that is completely admirable and amazing to me. But I'm not even really like talking about that, right? It's I, those guys I don't ever compare myself to because oh, I could God. never do that. But it feels like sometimes just the the mainline community of certain games is at a level that of commitment that's like the average Halo player feels like so far beyond me that I'm like I'll just stick with my co-op single player experience in Halo thanks yep um, that was the thing with Destiny of like with Destiny it's like I'd love to play more of this solo like I don't want to go out there you know what I mean like whenever you yeah. get into a group or whatever even when I'm with my friends I feel like I'm dragging the group down well, I'm, because I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the guy who plays this every night for four weeks but I gotta say now having said all that like and I know people are sick of me talking about this but the fact that I found my thing and with Heroes of the Storm I thought you were going to say your and, wife well, so, yeah, no, she's important. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, like, finding that game that is – that I do feel like I'm better than most of the people that play this. I have mm-hmm. got – I have put in the hours and I have put in the commitment and I have literally leveled up my own skills to the point where I I can hang with pretty decent people and my rank – you know, in Hero League is representative of that. I'm I'm pretty good at this game, and it feels awesome to like have a level of skill in something uh, that is that is really high and really, and my knowledge is really deep. And it's fun to kind of specialize in one thing. 
I mean, it's 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 crappy for this show because everybody's like, ah, stop talking about it. <laughs> Please talk about something else. I think yeah. though, like this whole specialization thing is is the the beauty and the beast of the internet because I I would say that uh, I forget Greg if it was you or Jeff you know the average Halo player I I would say the average Halo player is pretty akin to us I would say that actually we might even be more knowledgeable than the av- you know quote unquote actual average Halo player but the average active poster on the Halo lore NeoGAF thread. You know, that's the top 5% Halo player. Um, Halo is one of the best-selling franchises of all time, and most people don't know what NeoGAF is. I think it's a great site and great message board, but it's not uh, Google in terms of traffic. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I don't know. I think logging on to just an average multiplayer match of Halo, I'm I'm. But that's not lore. That's skill. No, I know. I think I'm talking more about skill than lore, really. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I, I think I, it, they, it goes both ways. Whatever. I don't know. I mean, you're wrong, and uh, here's where the storm is garbage. <laughs> and, you're wrong and stupid. <laughs> and I, I was Greg's friend that. until he mentioned DC Universe Online. Now I know I'm alone in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever love you. <laughs> um, I, I So much fun stuff to talk about. I do need to take a break real quick and thank our sponsor, Linda. Oh, my gosh. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. If you like learning stuff uh, like like we do, we're talking about deep levels of skill. Oh, my gosh. Deep levels of, of skill and lore is on display at Linda. Linda is an online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that help you strengthen your business, technology, creative skills. They have courses in every conceivable software platform you can help you with html programming a web a web blog or online portfolio you can figure out ways to use photoshop in smarter ways or even photography in general if you want to learn how to use a dslr camera in a smart way or video editing really anything you want to learn they have 3000 video courses and these are not videos by morons these are not just your average youtubers who hey kind of, <laughs> oh, this is not like kind of funny vids where you're just wasting your time. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> these are uh, these are experts in their field, and they know how to convey the information really well. And they only uh, they make sure that they have the most up to date information. So you're not you know finding a video about a version of the software that's outdated. Plus, you can search through all of the videos to find exactly the thing you need. All of them have transcripts, and you can do a keyword search, which will pop you right to the to the minute and second in a video that has the information you are looking for. And if you're interested in video game design, oh my gosh, so many courses in video game design from HTML5 to 3D Studio Max to Unity, animation courses, all kinds of stuff. The coolest part is we're going to let you check out the entire site and have free run of the site for 10 days. All you got to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. Find some courses. Learn some stuff. It's really cool. Deepen your knowledge about stuff or really just sort of find the quick information you need on a topic. Accomplish your goals and uh, and get stuff done quicker. lynda.com slash DLC. It lets them know that you heard about it on our show and it helps us out. So do that. lynda.com slash DLC. Uh, okay, guys, um, you know, st- speaking of stuff that people are sick of me talking about, um, Simon sent this email in. And, of course, our email address is dlcfeedback at gmail.com. So you can always uh, send in questions there or go to our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com, to submit questions uh, for episodes in the future. Uh, he's curious to hear us, hear Greg, talk about uh, VR versus AR. He says, who do you think will win? Uh, he says he was blown away by HoloLens at E3, but then mm. he took a step back and said to himself, I can't see much use for this as a product. 
yes, it's it's wonderful and it looks great and the stuff you could do with Minecraft is amazing, but how does that fit into other games? Where do you guys, first of all, see AR going in games? And then on the other hand, VR, which looks like the perfect next step for gaming, do you have any concerns with it? Have you guys tried it and what was your opinion? Uh, so, Greg, what's your what's your take on VR versus AR? So far, I don't believe in either of them. And when I say believe, I mean financially believe. Like, they're, what, what's their level of success they're going to achieve? The only thing you believe in is a heaven that looks like a DC comic book. Exactly. Where I'm Taylor <laughs> Swift. My CR rating is 93 if you're a DC Universe player out there. And I know that's low, but I'll play more soon. Um, no. Yeah, I... I I when I put like when I put on VR headsets and I play like you know the Morpheus demo the the getaway the heist where I'm shooting out there and I'm picking up things and I'm slamming them into the Uzi and I'm shooting guys on motorcycles awesome when I put on Oculus and I play uh you know the one where I get to fly for two seconds which was just like well somebody's got to make a Superman game this is amazing or when I play uh you know the Eve Valkyrie one all of these are awesome experiences, and I like it. And even when I, like, I'm a Minecraft console player, so at the Xbox conference when they put on HoloLens and showed it and they're going through – first off, they're cheating. No one should be able to look through the world and see what they're d- d- drilling down to, what they're digging to. That's not how Minecraft works. Don't <laughs> cheapen the experience. But cool, it was a cool demo for sure and all this stuff. But when I step back and I think about, like, what's the adoption rate going to be on these? How is the – I don't – I mean – how are any of them going to succeed? Right now, if I wanted to say which one I think has a better shot, I think VR has a better shot because there's more people making things for it. Uh, I think augmented reality is cool, but we've seen it get toyed with for so long. Even it, I mean, you're talking about even with the PSP, right, with Invisimals and stuff, which then became yeah. a Vita thing. Like People have tried to do all of this before. Eye of Judgment and all that stuff, yeah. Exactly. People have tried to do all of this before, and I think like, it's what you said, right, and the fact that VR seems like the sexier product. You know, AR is always going to be, well, let's put down this card so it reads what's happening and do this and move around, where VR could be that experience that you put on, and maybe it's just first adopters of Oculus, then go out and spread the word, you know what I mean, and get it. Or I don't even know how this would possibly happen, but the Morpheus is a success, and everybody wants to buy it, you know what I mean? Like, those are what you need. You need these breakthroughs, and from all the tech demos we've seen so far, I don't see it yet. Interesting. I know Christian agrees with you on that point. Um, I'm I'm this wild uh, optimist about VR just because I feel like the the experience itself is so compelling that all people have to do is try it and you'll feel like oh my god this is something completely new it's not 3D televisions it's not waggle it really is new and it really does feel different and like you're talking about doing that heist thing and I'm reaching down and grabbing my clip and not looking where I'm reaching and just grabbing it and putting it in my my gun like that's incredible and it's a a feeling that is hard to convey to people that haven't tried it and people are looking at it like oh i don't get it so i just move my head around i look like a dork it's like well yeah but it does feel differently and and if and if people understand that i I really feel like looking at a 2d display on a monitor is going to feel antiquated at a certain point but maybe i'm too optimistic about it i think to some extent you guys are it's like you're talking about the same point and, and you know, maybe in the same the same Venn diagram overlapping a little. But I don't think Greg's saying that the tech isn't – it's weird, right? Because I feel like, Greg, what you were talking about was overcoming the obstacles of being a peripheral for gaming or for anything. It's adoption, yeah, adoption. And, and Jeff, what you're talking about is, man, this tech is cool. I hope everyone loves it. But, I mean, in your heart of hearts, Mr. Kanata – do you th- you're under oath let me remind you <laughs> ah, i am yes. uh inactive i'm an inactive attorney in two states good sir um <laughs> i mean 300 dollars like 
I don't, maybe by my kid's lifetime, these things will be mainstream after they're more compact. They're not plugged in with eight different wires. I mean, for real. I don't talking don't, about don't your love of wrong. the tech. I, or, I, think, I think that of all the products we know coming out right now, n- not all of them are going to survive. Of uh, course not. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm not You're saying that it's like. you market can't support seven different <laughs> VR headsets? <laughs> One of no, them made I mean, by a game company? I just feel like, I feel like that kind of isn't going to matter. I, I really do, especially now that Facebook owns Oculus, I feel like they're in it for this long play, and they got so much money that they don't care. They don't care if they take a loss. They don't care if Oculus doesn't catch on right away. Like They really do feel like this is a long-term strategy that in 10 years we're all going to be you know, in our uh, Ready Player One realities. Uh, and, and they're building the, the foundation of that. They're, they're building blocks. And I think that's okay. I think there's going to be people like me that rush out and buy these things and have them. And there's going to be like, you know, five to ten amazing experiences that we all keep proselytizing about. And that's okay. Like, it, it doesn't have to be an alternative to AAA titles next year. It, 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 I think it can grow and be small. And I think that the, the ones that die off and, and don't make it hopefully won't poison the water too much where people are like, well, I can't ride any of these horses because they're all just going to die off. You know, I, I hope that there is one or two that stick around long enough. And I think that the Oculus will be one of those be- just because of the money pool. I don't, so. but I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think, Greg, you were arguing that VR will never catch on. Again, I, I feel like you guys are still kind of on the same page. The only caveat to that, Jeff, would be, Go back and read the early press releases and speeches that Google was giving about Google Plus. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's dead. I mean, I'm not saying I hope it fails, but one, I would say I think Greg does see a future in the idea of virtual reality. I, I think in its current incarnation, it maybe isn't there. And I think, Jeff, you're saying we're finally start showing that VR could maybe be done well. And, oh, my God, this is going to be incredible eventually. And I want to be in on it from day well, one. It, it is a cr- incredible now. But let me tra- – I know people get sick of me talking about VR. So let me just transition this into a, a slightly different question. Let's take VR off of the table or AR as well. And th- let's say this. What do you guys think in five years or ten years, what what does the gaming landscape look like? Are we still plugging consoles into televisions? Do we still have the same big players in the game? Are we still playing the same types of games? Like put on your, uh, you know, your, your Swami hat, Greg, and tell okay. me what – what you think five ten years down the line? We're, I mean, we're the answer to your question, I think, are yes, yes, and yes. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I just don't think. Like, I, I remember heading in, like, when we were still in the PS3 360 generation, and before we even had a code name Orbis or anything. I remember us being like, "Well, this next console generation cycle is going to be the last console generation cycle. Then we'll get, move to a unified platform." What da 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 da. And in the success you're seeing right now, I mean, like, the PS4 is like what on pace to be the second best selling system of all time, and Xbox yeah. isn't that far behind. It's doing incredibly well as well. And it's one of those things with that kind of influx of cash capital and market share, there's definitely going to be another system. And if these things are on 10-year life cycles, that means that you're going to get a PS5 and you're going to get an Xbox 2. Like, those are going to be coming. The real question is what happens with Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I figure they come out next year. They announce NX. Is it this unified console handheld that is the same experience anywhere you go maybe it's exciting maybe it isn't but they've already started to dip their toe in with these mobile companies of like well now we'll put our games on phones right i feel like if nx comes out and underperforms again in 10 years there is a like there is a chance that they're you're playing mario on playstation and xbox or on steam right that they're like well now we're we're gonna slowly become you know sega in a good way 
We're gonna is that slur- what you're rooting for? Are you hoping that happens to Nintendo? It's one of those yes and no kind of questions. Like, I, yeah, right now, yeah, I would love to be able to play Mario Kart and get trophies and have a better online experience and play it on PlayStation 4. If NX comes out and it is this, hey, we, we've heard you, we've made this awesome piece of tech that is taken anywhere, you know, it beams to your television, it's in your hand, it's all, you can play it on the train, that sounds rad and I would like that. If it comes out and there's like, hey, everybody, we've made another system that's like, well, what do you, you know, I don't need another Xbox or, I already have an Xbox One and a PlayStation 4 and I look at them all the time and I go, you guys do the same thing. Why are you yeah. doing this? You know what I mean? If I can play yeah. Mario anywhere, I'd rather have that. Yeah. What do you think, Christian? you think that it's going to be sort of the same trajectory, or do you think there's going to be a major shift in the next next little while? I don't know if it's... Uh, the hard part on this is the timeline. I, I think there is going to be a major shift. I, I, I think... Um, I don't know if it'll be Microsoft or Sony exiting. Because the, the problem is that both of these companies are huge companies, but also... Um, and still have tons of money and are doing okay, all of the companies, but they're also kind of in rocky waters um, with like Sony, pretty much everything they do except for gaming. <laughs> it, it's awful. Yeah. And Microsoft, everything they do other than gaming and operating system is it, 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 struggling. And I just don't know at what point they look at the resources that are going into these things and decide, is this really needed? Or I, I think the interesting thing, and maybe it's the Trojan horse that Microsoft is doing right now, and this is kind of E3 crazy prediction segment uh, a few months removed, but I mean, is the Trojan horse this Windows 10 thing, and then Xbox becomes what Rock Band is, <laughs> a service, right? They, that Honest to God, someone finally does this thing, and it's it's a service, and you have Xbox on everything, and then maybe yeah. they still make a box that you hook up to your TV for simplicity, but you don't need it. Like I think I think that's doable in ten years because ten years is a long, a really long time. Um, yeah, especially when you're talking about companies like this, right? It's like what you're talking about the fact that PlayStation is the successful division of Sony. Well, it's like. At what point do they think about spinning that out, you know what I mean, and having it be its own thing and offering its own IPO and doing all these different things with it? That's when it gets weird and you can't predict what happens next. Yeah. Jeff, where are you? Well, I was going to say, Christian, one of the things you can't shut up about is is the the idea of, like, streaming games being the future. Are you – do you think that's – that's the next five ten years is like oh we buy the it's the Netflix of video gaming. The biggest hurdle for that is U.S. infrastructure, um, and yep. for better or worse, the U.S. is becoming more and more you know prominent in terms of gaming. That Western audience, Europe is also rising as well. Um, you know, I'm not trying to discredit them. Uh, Australia, I will discredit you all day, every day. <laughs> um, I mean, I still hope it is. I think it's possible, but again, that the big wild card that is is infrastructure. But if we shore it up in Google Fiber or whatever comes, and we actually get this stuff, then I do. I think that's the big thing. I think games as services or um, consoles as services. That's the big huge evolution. And if someone comes up and figures that out, that isn't Sony or Xbox, like you know they were trying before with um, whatever Sony bought and on live. I mean, that's a big place for a, a Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach or whatever disruptive company to come up and like we'll be doing this show ten years from now. A little upset that we're still doing you know the same things and we haven't really grown as people and our kids have grown and learned so much <laughs> and we're still talking about videos. and i and i suddenly have 800 hours in dc <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in uh, 10 years 800 <laughs> hours I really didn't play it that much actually i'm busy man there's a lot of good stuff coming out <laughs> i think that's the that's the potential you know bomb the ripple effect of that could be huge 
Right. It's it's keeping up with technology, right? I have a friend at Apple who, you know, we'll, we'll sit around and we're in San Francisco and we sit here and we just complain and complain that we don't have Google Fiber yet. And his thing is always, and he, this isn't inside information, it's just him predicting, but he's just like, <laughs> dude, like, it doesn't matter. He's like, by the time Google Fiber would even get remotely here, Wi-Fi will be 6G or whatever. You'll be able to, you know, you'll so sign many up G. for it. Get, yeah, exactly. All the Gs and you'll just get it beamed and it'll be amazing and it'll be, you know, better than what you have now wireless. And it's like, that sounds like a great future. I would love that. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for just internet to just be always available all the time everywhere. Yeah. But I actually was thinking about this sitting in the airport last week because, uh, you know, you can get on the free airport Wi-Fi, which is great, but you have to go through like 12 terms and conditions <laughs> screens. And it's, are we going to just be swimming in terms and conditions screens from the, from now on? It's like, oh, yeah, there's free Internet everywhere. It takes 12 steps to check boxes. To you, have to watch, you have to watch a movie. It's not yeah. even an ad anymore. It's like a full-blown movie like Sony Pictures is going to give you if you watch the next uh, Will Smith picture here. Are you guys yeah, – yeah. are either of you familiar with Google Fee? I think it's how you – the FI – cell phone project Mm-mm. yeah it's interesting yeah. and and what they're trying to do jeff is eliminate that problem where they have like trusted I'm, I'm i'm getting the corporate mark for marketing terms wrong but trusted wi-fi connections where so google fee just broadly it, it i don't th- think it's pronounced fee i don't fi? think they want to be associated with yeah i don't think it's like pay us google, pay the pay google us. good point good point google <laughs> yeah. google fi um google fi it doesn't matter um you know they bounce between i think it's uh, t-mobile and sprint so you're never on one it just picks up the strongest signal and then it's also supposed to always be pinging over to wi-fi and it has these trusted spots you know whether it's starbucks or whatever they have marked as these trusted spots where you're always picking those up automatically so you're not going through this stuff and yeah and if wi-fi becomes 6g uh whatever and you're just kind of doing that like that's that's the that's the future, but yeah, airport Wi-Fi, that kind of thing of like, ugh. Yes, I I read your terms and conditions. Yes, I'm still pulling up porn. You know, do something. About it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what what my prediction is for the for the next ten years. Uh, so after the water wars, uh, we are all. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, I actually tend to agree with you guys. I think that for all of the change, I think you know things that are in motion tend to stay in motion, and I think that. I think we're going to see a lot of movement and shake as we have over the last five uh, with regard to delivery systems for games. And there's going to be a, this war of the brick and mortar, you know, the game stops of the world versus, uh, you know, pr- publishers and people that want to just take all the money and deliver you the game digitally. I think that's going to continue and it's, it's really not going to uh, be settled anytime soon. I think people's prediction that it's it's going to be a swift switch over i think it's it's going to be long and drawn out and annoying mm-hmm. for all of us uh, which is annoying which is bad because because GameStop has such a uh, a reach right now and also i think it's a great what we saw with the rollout of these consoles this generation is that people are still very much entrenched in their thinking of if I have a physical thing, I want to be able to use that physical thing like a physical thing. I want to be able to return it to a store. I want to be able to uh, you know, trade it in if it has value. And I think what we saw Microsoft trying to do you know, and how it was rejected by, the, by so many people, I think that that indicates to me that this is going to be a much slower transition over time. Um, but as far as the, the kinds of games we play, you know, I'm very hopeful that VR and AR have a big footprint going forward. But I do think it's still going to be this bifurcated world of AAA, gigantic, mega-budget games that make tons of money and have a big splash, and then small indie games. I don't really see that changing anytime soon. I think that, that that's the world that has 
evolved at this point, and I don't see it changing anyway, in any way. Yeah, I feel like that's the spectrum now. You know, I used to talk about all the time that you had this spectrum where it was the indie titles, it was your middle tier games, right? These licensed things, your THQs, and then it was triple A's. And we've yeah. clearly seen the bottom fall out of that middle tier. So now it is. You'll get an awesome couple indie games every week, and then once every two to three months, depending on what you know where we are in the season, right? You get a huge triple A game that somebody spent three years working on and bajillions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, There's another question that actually uh, Christian put out here that I, I find really interesting. You know, we we saw um, at Gamescom recently and, and, you know, actually earlier than that, Microsoft talking about the new update to um, Xbox One's UI that's going to be rolling out in November. And, you know, Christian was asking why console UIs are so terrible and how do we fix them? What 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 do you want to see out of a console UI, Greg? Do you do you agree that they're terrible? I think there's room for improvement on all of them. And it, this, I mean, are you guys, uh, Jeff? I'm, your PC still, right? That's where you're mainly focused. Yeah, I mean, I have all the consoles and I play. Sure, them, sure, but sure. I, but I, you, yeah. yeah, cut through the BS. Are you PC guy? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I exactly. feel very superior to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And Christian, what are you? Uh, console guy. I own PCs. Yeah. But, ooh, gross. Sure, sure. See, you know, yeah, I'm a console guy, and then of course I'm a PlayStation guy on top of that. So this is the argument. I used to. Have, this is similar to the. Uh, the uh, Sega Nintendo argument where with PS3 I used to argue with people that the cross media bar was so much better than the blades on 360 right mm-hmm. and it really comes down to I think I, I whatever you use the most you're super comfortable with and you don't understand why people have problems they're with both it right bad I think they're yeah, both no, bad yeah no no and that's the thing right is like I understand my way around the PlayStation 4, but when I get into the Xbox One every time, it's like, wait, where are my games? Like, what do I have to, okay, go, wait, I got to redeem this code. Now, where do I, you know, PlayStation, I'd hold this button, but here, that's the thing is that they're all just convoluted. Like, simplicity, I think, is the the way to go for all of these. Make it super simple that you're dumped on one thing and have it be like your PC, right? Where it is, you have, like, just a big icon that's game, store, settings, whatever. You know what I mean? You get in, it's lightning quick, and you get to what you want to be to. Uh, this was your question, Christian. Do you, do, you, do you have a solution? I wish. If I had a solution, would I still be doing this show for pennies? You'd be a millionaire. <laughs> You'd just be standing on the street corner going, UIs for sale! UI here! Get your UIs! Fresh, hot UIs here! Um, I mean, I think part of it is it, they've been cobbled together with a, a bad interface. A, I mean, a, a, a bad uh, controller for, you know, the way we interact with the UI isn't great. On our phones and tablets, we have our fingers. Um, on our PC, we have the extension of the finger with the mouse. And on console, we have analog controls and buttons and navigating. And it's harder to have that elegant system. And Xbox tried to, you know, bury everything and have you use Connect on Xbox One. And, you know, that's a mess too. But there, someone has to be able to crack this code because it, it, it is, it's so bad maybe because they're trying to do too much and put too much forward where you know what you've missed what's happening look at this here's an ad look at isn't this here's what your friends have been up to blah blah blah. every time you turn your playstation for it the little discover thing pops up it's like i know this isn't a new feature anymore go away yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i just i mean for me maybe it's a back to basics approach that i would like and um kind of like uh, oh god what's the brainstorming method that kind of you end up with bubbles basically or like on a web page words that are searched more often are, are bigger in that search web or sure, whatever sure. i think you're describing the we pl- we interface no. though what's the, the don't they just all bubbles that are like little me's walking around going blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that's the yeah the we you me plaza but the like, me plaza that's what it is why isn't the, just like a big green circle in the beginning that's like games or you know whatever and then the other stuff can 
pull in and pull out? Or it, can it be smart and learn what you do the most and the other stuff shrinks down and you have that kind of approach where like I've never looked at uh, Netflix on my PS4. So just get that away, you know? Um, yeah. It, someone listening to this has to have ideas. Right now there's some kid in, in you know, graphic design school that has this all figured out. And uh, ma'am or sir, I look forward to the day that one of these – stupid companies employs you i think the biggest problem is that neither one of these companies are are, are, are the three companies none of them do ui right they just they don't right. do it well microsoft well, you think that microsoft that's their whole business model is well UI, they stole it from it? apple right and their whole thing too right was that they, they're trying to make the xbox one look like what windows 8 was so it's like okay you're trying to have this like yeah. ubiquitous thing it's like well we don't like that on the computers let alone here yeah well i have high hopes for the new update in november i'm, I'm hoping they they're progress at least uh, if it's not a solution it's at least progress <laughs> i think your hopes are high sir yeah um so a couple of questions that are in the in the same sort of category i guess and i think that there's no one better to talk about this than than game over greggy hey um, because uh you know you are uh you are a youtuber if i can uh, use that term you're allowed um, to good so uh because we're P- going oh. to anyway <laughs> also, I, I sort of want to transition into talking about Batman because you can't have Greg here without, without talking about Batman. Yes. And, you know, Christian is a huge Batman fan. And Jeff and hates I, fun. Cu- A couple of weeks ago. Jeff doesn't I, like Batman? <laughs> no. No, let, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. I like Batman. I love Batman. I love Batman. I love superheroes. I'm raised on comics. I'm a Marvel zombie from way back. But I still love DC and I love Batman. I love Superman. Loves Justice League. I love Batman. Okay. Did I say I love Batman? Because I love Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved um, um, Arkham Asylum. Loved it. Played through it. I thought it was a revelation. Was one of the. I think it might have been one of my top games of that year. I think we may. It may have been in contention for the Totally Rad Show Game of the Year. It loved it. Right. Loved uh, Arkham City. Was cool. Didn't like it quite as much. Loved it though. You know, still was in it. For some reason, Arkham Knight just did not click with me. And I knew we were going to have you on. And I was like, this is going to be a perfect opportunity. The audience has been clamoring for Christian and I to have like a spoiler discussion of Arkham Knight. We can have Greg on. It'll be perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll power through. I'll finish the game and we'll be able to talk about it. So like I sat down. Yes, doing it. And like an hour in, I was like, I don't want to play this. I, I'm gonna... sure that you sat down for the game that didn't click with you. and You're like, yes, I'm doing it. No way. That's always the worst when you sit down with a game you know you don't like, but you have to beat it. You're like, oh, God, here we go. That's what Christian said, too. And, and there's, there is truth to that. But I also feel like there's been plenty of times – I know I've reviewed games for a living. There's plenty of times where you sit down and you go, well, I have six hours right now. I need to play this. And then like 30 minutes in, you're loving it and your you're, you know, time melts away. Sure. So it's – that isn't always the case, right? Sure, sure, sure. And I certainly feel – and I've, I've gotten some support from the audience on this too. I've gotten a lot of tweets and emails of people saying, yeah, you know, I kind of have the same experience. kind of feel like there's something about Arkham Knight that's, that's just a little off from the previous games in the series. It's – undeniably a beautiful game, undeniably a well-designed game on so many levels. I don't know. I I just feel like I'm not completely crazy on that. But the reason I bring that up is because I do want to have a discussion about that game with you guys, Uh, but I want to couch it in this context. Kurt P. sent us an email, and he said, what are our thoughts on the Let's Play community? 
He said, I find more recently that I often go to the Let's Plays and watch someone expertly play a game that I'm interested in because they get through it faster than I would and can easily skip all the boring stuff. And if a game seems short or extremely good, I'll still buy it and play it myself. But with my dwindling free time, I have to be a lot more choosy than I used to be. Am I cheating myself out of experiences since I don't play every AAA game and indie game myself? Am I cheating developers out of money? Should I quit playing games if I can't dedicate hundreds of hours to it? Is my life slowly spinning around an ever-growing vortex of work and responsibility? He says, sorry, I didn't mean to get existential on you. But what is your, what is your feeling on that? Because I was going to be like, well, I'll just watch the YouTube videos, which I've never done uh, for a game. Um, let's, let's start there, and we can move to Batman in particular. But what's your take on this whole phenomenon? I mean, I don't, I think I don't think he's cheating himself. No, I, it's what we talked about a second ago, right? Or and now an hour ago, in terms of like franchises that never clicked for us and that we didn't get to. I, I'm not gonna sit down and play Final Fantasy, but I've for sure watched cutscenes from Final Fantasy and gameplay from Final Fantasy, all these different things. Yeah. Uh, I, and and it, the the difference there is that no point was I gonna go buy those games. So I'm not cheating the developers out of money either because they were never gonna get my money to begin with. You know right. what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. the difference there. I think. What do you think about this, Christian? Uh, Stuart Nocton and I just did an unformed opinions kind of about uh, free time or our lack thereof. And it, I think it's as gamers, you know, we are the generation that really, you know, not the first people to play games, but with the first that was very popular and, you know, accepted or whatever. And we're becoming adults with responsibility and we're figuring this stuff out. I mean, I think what he's saying more than what he's wrote in this email, what he's saying is, a compliment to the Let's Play communities for creating something that's engaging and fun to watch. Because at the end of the day, uh, he has the time. Because he has the time to watch two hours of a Let's Play. He has the time to be playing a game for two hours. He's just choosing <laughs> for his entertainment value that watching someone else play it is more entertaining for him than, than playing it. And and that's great. You know, go ahead and, and do that. But just acknowledge that like when I come home and I still hate watch True Detective Season 2... I'm choosing to do that over playing, you know, finishing uh, Wolfenstein Old Blood. Um, <laughs> and just know, like, deep down inside that I've made a horrible mistake and why am I punishing myself? Um, so I, I, I don't know if that directly answers this question. That's kind of how I feel about it. I do think that the Let's Play community, um, I, I do think you are taking money out of developers' pockets. Um, you know, Greg, you said you wouldn't buy these games anyway. Generally, I agree with you, but at the same time, I do don't in the sense that I remember in middle school or high school, like when the fever pitch of a game becomes so deafening in our little echo chambers, you know, I would finally go out and buy a game just to be like, okay, I got to play this stupid game. And sometimes I would hate it. Sometimes I would love it. And I would be addicted to that series, you know, and still love it today. And I feel like now you don't get that because when the Souls games, you know, everyone's just like, this is amazing. It might not be for you, but oh my gosh, this is amazing. Those people that eventually would be, for lack of a better term, peer pressured into buying it, now will watch a Let's Play. And, you know, I don't think those people then convert and buy the games in, in high numbers. I have no data in front of me, and I'm probably talking sure. out of my butt. But that's And that's I feel. the thing. Like, I, I don't have the data either, right? But what I have is the, I guess, what you in, in passing comments on YouTube or what we see, right? In the fact that when we. You read the comments on YouTube? Oh, we have to. Uh, comments all the time, brother. But like, it, like we just put up our let's play Super Mario Maker, right? And so many people tweeted or said like, "Oh, I had no interest in this game, but now I do. Like, now I am going to pick it up." And like Persona, we get tweets about all the time. Persona Four that like the amount of me talking about it or the let's play we did on it or something under that effect. 
drove people to do it. I feel like it's what we're talking about. There's so much noise and there's so much to talk about now. And there's so many games. Like on the playground, it was easy of like, holy cow, did you guys see Toe Jam and Earl? And that's all we talked about. And like somebody wants to go buy Toe Jam and Earl based off of that because there's just fewer games to play. Now, though, I feel like there's so many games that you, it doesn't matter how much somebody talks about her story. If you don't, if is what? You type something into a computer? That doesn't sound cool. But if you sit down and you watch it, and you watch it long enough to go, oh, you know what? I do want to play this. I'm going to stop the Let's Play and go buy it. That happens, at least, again, in a very, very, you know, haphazard poll that's happening with our audience. We see people doing that and saying that. But, yeah. I mean, please go. Exposure is exposure. Greg, I'm not knocking. I think you guys make great content. But, but Oh, no, no. I know you're not. I know it's not a shot at me. Don't worry. My, my, I'm not mad at you, No, Christian. I mean, it's, I love a, you. it's a shot at you. I mean, at the people you work with, you clearly <laughs> surrounded yourself with smart, intelligent people. Uh, um, but I, I almost wonder if the Let's Play, though, is, is, it's, is art reflecting life or life reflecting art. I mean, oh, I never would have checked out Mario Maker until I watched your Let's Play. Nah. You know, 10 years ago, I never would have picked up Mario Maker had I not read your Game Pro feature on Mario Maker. You know, sure. it's just the thing now that the way people consume is on their phone, their tablet, video, we can't read, we're lazy, whatever. And I don't know if it's the actual Let's Play that's convincing people versus this is how coverage comes across. And, you know, I'm part of that too. I'm sitting here, you know, sitting in my office talking into a microphone blabbing about games because God... Heaven forbid I, I think about these thoughts and write them down in 300 words. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think my take is a little differently. I, I certainly side with, with Greg on this, and, and uh, you know, it's – I feel like – sure, knock yourself out. H- however you want to enjoy this hobby, enjoy the hobby. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. But there is a part of me that looks at the phenomenon and wonders – you 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 used a word, Christian, that sticks with me, which is consume. And it feels – there's a part of me that nags the back of my head that says it's really just about like min maxing our consumption on a certain level. It's like, I don't have enough time, but I have to consume it all. I got to get it in me somehow. So let's just figure out the most efficient way to get it in me. And sometimes like, that's not what the experience is about. You know, Greg, you brought up her story, which is a perfect example. Like the most fun I had playing her story was sitting there and thinking and just right considering it and not knowing what to do and not actively playing anything or watching even a video. It's after the video stopped playing, just me thinking like, what did she say? What am I, you know? And, and I think that there is a, a depth to that experience that is lost when you're just watching someone else play. And, and hopefully those do just work as sort of advertisements for the actual experience. But sometimes I, I worry in the, in the context of this email, for example, of people who are like, well, I don't have time. I'm just, I just need to get that content in me somehow, and this is the most efficient way to do that. But I don't know. Um, all right, guys. So I'm going to give you, let's say, eight minutes. Hey, guys. Christian here. Just real quick, we're going to get into some Arkham Knight spoilers, and to give you an accurate tag, we start now, and we go about to the 76-minute mark, so about one hour, 16 minutes, and then we come out of it with a Squarespace ad so that's that for you guys. If you want to listen, dive in. If not, skip ahead. Cool. Bye. To talk about Batman, completely spoilery. Oh, okay. So if uh, if you you are listening to this and you don't want to be spoiled for Batman Arkham Knight, skip forward eight minutes. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm going to be spoiled. I usually I avoid spoilers. I just know I'm not going to play this. So I want to participate. It'll, I'll be shocked at the revelations <laughs> in real time because uh, I don't know anything about it. Um, so. Christian, what do you want to? What do you want to? How do you want to frame this discussion about Arkham Knight? Spoilers. Actually, there's a couple of questions that were sent in because somebody uh, was excited for us to do this. Um, this was sent in by John M from Boston. He said, uh, 
How did you initially react to the movie studio segment of the story, including the flashbacks to Jason Todd, the reveal of Henry, then the reveal of Batman's condition, followed by his locking up of Robin? Well, can I, I want to get to these questions. Well, I think I can get to these questions in a roundabout way. And, and thank you, John, for sending them in. Um, but to, to Greg, and I know that you're yes. a Bat fan. My question, and I've asked this to people that maybe weren't before, but I think is it colors the spoiler discussion is, do you think this game resonates strongly with people that aren't? I don't think the Jason Todd material packs a punch if your only exposure to Jason Todd is this game, seeing as how he exists nowhere else in this franchise. Yeah. I, I The Jason Todd thing was definitely... It was weird. You know what I mean? The whole time leading up to this rock steady is like, we built a new character in the Arkham Knight. We made a new character in the Arkham Knight. And I remember playing it. I was streaming it. I was playing it. Uh, Arkham Knight shows up the first time, opens his mouth. I'm like, oh, hey. And I, to the, everybody in, uh, watching the stream, I'm like, oh, it's Troy Baker. How cool. And I text Troy. I'm like, hey, congratulations on being Arkham Knight. That's awesome. And then we get to the first reveal of Jason Todd. And I'm like, oh, it's Troy Baker. This is the Red Hood. We are doing the Red And then it's like another six hours till they. Re- that's their big reveal. And it was like, yeah, you you don't burn a bridge. I'm not trying to say that. But, I mean, like, for fans who knew, like, know the whole story, you're like, oh, this is Red Hood. And then if you don't know that, it was a weird thing to have dropped in there. And it was a weird misstep, I felt, for Rocksteady in terms of the fact that, like, they're the guys who put the extra room in Arkham Asylum that was hidden that led to Arkham City. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been awesome to have these flashbacks or nods throughout the entire game. And I know there's a few lines of dialogue here or there that, you know, hint at you joker having gotten jason or whatever but why not have had these flashbacks or more of talking about jason todd or what you know what i mean like it was just a weird choice to have it all dropped in here because i knew it through the voices and then everyone else i talked to was like well it was just telegraphed as soon as that popped up that that was who it was going to be yeah and so i feel like and i said on this show i think before i i love this game and i love the story but i feel like it's the video game equivalent of hush uh, you know, the comic book Hush Batman story where it's like all these cool things and all these cool pieces, but if you have no connection to Killer Croc or Joker, it, it's kind of this this weird thing where you're like, why do I care about Jason Todd? Wait, how many Robins are there? What are these Robins? Yeah. Why is this guy here? Let's go beat dudes up. But my spoilery... At a cer- go ahead, Jeff. At, real quick. At a, at a certain point, don't you kind of sort of have to like take for granted that people know Batman lore? Because I feel like you, there's only so many times you can do intro Batman stories. You know? I don't think yeah. you need to do an intro Batman story, though, but I, I don't think... <sighs> I, Jason... I don't think you... I, I don't, you don't need an intro, but, like, it's just weird that there was no there was no storytelling through the other two games about this. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree that, like, f- it's the third Batman... God, I keep cursing on your show. I've said it twice now. I'm sorry. It. It's okay. I, I, you know, it's just like, yeah, this is a Batman game for Batman fans, and this is the third Batman game for Batman fans, so... We do have to stop pulling our punches. And it's kind of the thing of, like, why, as a comic book fan, you get mad at the movies, right? Because they waste so much time telling you stuff you know. And it's like, well, can we stop catering to the random person who walks in? I don't know how many random people are picking up Arkham Knight. You should know, hopefully, by now what's happening. But it's this connective tissue that they never established where it's like, how old is this Batman in Arkham Asylum? He's what? And who's Robin in this timeline? And all this other stuff's already happened. And Jason Todd's already been captured and kidnapped and tortured. But does Tim exist? And... And, you know, where's Dick and what is – and Barbara's here, but she shouldn't be. It's like this weird – it's all-star Batman. Uh, for me, though, it had some great moments and reveals. I'm curious, Greg, like what your Batman fan, total spoiler, everything's on the table, what your best moment was. And then second question, so we can just answer both of them uh, in a row, is how how the heck did, did Batman get the scarecrow out of his system? He's Batman. <laughs> he has willpower. He's got the willpower. 
Uh, I mean, I loved the game. That's the thing. It's like I, I, you know, I played through it, uh, and like I couldn't get a copy ahead of time that I could play and have trophies and stream. So I was like, I don't care about it. So when I got it, you know, day it came out, played it. I beat it, and I remember beating it and being like, huh. I loved it. It was great, but I feel like it was overrated, right? And then I went and put another 40 hours into the game. And that's when I stepped back and I was like, you know what? This probably isn't overrated. This is probably <laughs> this is a really good game, even if I have, like, all these little hang-ups about story and stuff. Like, for me, like, it sucks because I think the one of the big moments for me turned out to be super hollow, right? But, like, when, when Barbara shot herself, I was like, yes. oh, man, they are all in. They are ending this. This is a real thing. This is awesome. And then it gets undone, but... In that moment, that was awesome. And the way and, they do it with Joker covering what would have been an AO game rating. Right, 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 right. Uh. And then and then just the Joker reveal itself. You know what I mean? The fact that they did. I mean, like, it was one of those things of, like, we all knew. I think everybody's like, the Joker's going to be in this. You know, and, like, <laughs> when Arkham Origins was a Joker game, too, you're like, well, this is clearly all going to be Joker all the time. And so I wasn't sure how they were going to pull him in. I thought it would be flashbacks. I thought it would be this. But to have him be in your head and like there's so many great moments when you're like you crawl into the vent and he's at the end of the vent and you turn and he's at the other end of the vent like they played with the camera and the angles and just the storytelling so much i loved all of that yeah it's almost like insanity effects done you know yeah. uh, eternal darkness so the the way this game ends um you so we're still doing batman arkham knight spoilers i don't know where we are in your eight minutes still doing batman arkham knight spoilers three minutes left okay uh the way this game ends is that the Dark Knight, Batman, he has Scarecrow serum inside of him and that he also has Joker, the Joker toxin in him from the end of Arkham City and he's one of the infected people uh, and he has Joker inside of him basically or whatever and the way he wins is that he concentrates real hard and has them battle each other out because his fear, Joker's greatest fear is to be ignored and and that works and why didn't it, Batman do that at the beginning of the game and, and Batman's a huge jerk. Batman's a jerk this entire game. Right? Like I, I love the game. I love playing as Joker at the end, that scene when you're running around. Yeah. But I, I don't... Can you can you make sense of that ending and how it doesn't just be like, wait, why didn't you do this the the first time you I got- think, I mean, the way the way it was for me was that, yeah, like, he didn't... He never had the ability to have the showdown with the Joker because they were existing in the same plane or whatever. Like, he's just, you know, this phantom in his world or whatever. Then when he gets... Because there was the other times, too, where, like, Joker almost took control, like, the gun or whatever and yada, yada, yada because of the gas he inhaled. So when he gets, like, the... What is it? Four syringes for, full of junk from Scarecrow that, like, sends him down into the well where Joker's starting to take over and Joker is in control for the first time. And then they have, yeah, this fight in the end there where Batman's able to overcome it and, yeah take on joker's greatest fear or make joker's greatest fear become reality or whatever but it is it just comes down to he's batman but yeah i mean was that his plan all along like i'm gonna get kidnapped and he thinks he won like that's my problem when you think about this game is like he's like i got it i have it does he really have it because i feel like this is a bunch of circumstances that holy crap batman's lucky it went his way yeah no i i do think it is totally that i and that's the thing batman you you know the joke is that batman always has a, a plan right but for sure no i think in this it does come off like like, when he takes off his the cowl, right, and he reveals himself on TV or whatever. I shouldn't say when he takes it off. When he lets that happen to him, I feel like that was him surrendering, right? And then he gets injected and is just able to take it over. And you're like, oh, okay. I guess that was – he was just – yeah, it is. This went his way, thank goodness. And then lastly, uh, still Arkham Knight spoilers, the – yeah, we're. I think we're over eight minutes. If you pop him back in, we're still on. This is the last Arkham thing I have. If Greg has anything time. else, Arkham Knight spoilery, we can do it. But this is the last thing I have. Um, the full ending. What the heck? He uses Scarecrow's poison to beat up bad guys. Yeah, that. What my takeaway from that, and that's one of the things I keep ta- uh, popping up on the internet, is just the fact that I don't think that's a literal. He's 
I don't. I think that's just because he talks about like you know somebody new will have to rise up and do this and be Gotham's protector. I th- I thought that was all just symbolism of there is somebody new out there fighting crime in Gotham City. There's always going to be somebody new who will come up to take the mantle. I didn't take it as somebody is dosed with Scarecrow. Da 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 da. Because then it comes at the camera and goes into the logo and everything else. Just like oh, well, all right. Yeah, I I mean that that ending felt so for how much you had to do so weak. Sure. Oh yeah 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 totally yeah like <laughs> I I when it. When you get the first part of the Nightfall ending and it's just the, you know, the mansion crumbling, and you're like, oh, cool. I, I'm In my head, I'm like, the, the full ending is going to be them getting into a bat pod or whatever and going into the floor and getting out, you know, leaving and starting their new lives. And then you get it and it's like, oh, okay, Gordon's the mayor, Tim and Barbara are getting married, and there's a new guy there. Yeah, it, that doesn't <laughs> do anything for me. Yeah, I, I wish it just would have been Azriel or... Jason, or just tell me who sure. it is and, and set up something yeah. instead of now whatever the next one is, whoever, whatever studio does it, it's going to be this weird retcon of like, uh, well, because the whole city was doused, doused in, in uh, fear gas, no one remembered that that was him. Uh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I think the, I, I keep, you know, this is something I was saying before the game came out and now after even that, I think they're still building up to the Justice League game. And I think that you could pick it up from where it is now, what, like you're saying, with whatever studio if Rocksteady now moves on to... Because they were like, oh, just like, they were like, oh, you know, Arkham Knight's a new character. They were also like, oh, this is our final Batman game. Well, all right, your final Batman game, your next game could be a Justice League game, and you can just call it Justice League colon the search for Batman. Because <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Like, what happened to Bruce Wayne? There was no bodies found in this thing. We got to find Bruce. Something's happening. Yeah. That actually sounds like a game I'd be into. That sounds awesome. That's what I do, um, Jeff. I make great games. I love it. I love it. I'm ready. Um, okay, so end spoilers, and uh, in order to punctuate that, I'll thank our other sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Oh, man, you've heard me talk about Squarespace for a long time. That's because I've been using Squarespace for a long time. Oh, man, nigh on a decade now I've had my stuff built and housed on Squarespace. JeffCanada.com is a Squarespace joint. You can check it out. It's got... Uh, it's got a really cool design, and it was so easy for me to make. You can start with a template, beautiful templates they have, but it's so easy because you have it's all drag and drop. It's what you see is what you get. Beautiful, easy, simple designs, and inexpensive. It's awesome because it just starts at eight bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. But the best part is you can check out their service without having to give them a credit card whatsoever. There's not going to be some fee that kicks in without you knowing about it all you got to do is go to squarespace.com slash dlc check out their service you can build a website build a blog build a portfolio build even a store they have free commerce that comes with every website should you choose to need it a free online store they have cover pages which is cool it's a feature that allows you to set up a a beautiful one-page online presence in just minutes and if you decide you like it after you check it out uh, for a month for free at squarespace.com slash DLC. All you got to do is plug in that show code, that promo code, which is Jeff sent me, and then they're going to give you 10 buck, uh, 10% off. 10% off your order. That's pretty cool. Jeff sent me is the code you need for that. It's squarespace.com slash DLC. Check it out. Build a site. Everybody needs a website. Everybody needs an online presence. This is the easiest, slickest, coolest, most beautiful way to do it. Simple, simple stuff. Squarespace.com slash DLC, promo code Jeff sent me. Um, here's another question uh, I, that I thought would be a good one to ask Greg and, and all of us. Uh, this comes from Bradley Wargo. He said, uh, what would, advice would you give to an 18-year-old looking to get into your industry? I guess that means talking about video games on the internet. <laughs> Our industry of talking. Yes. What, would you, what advice would you give him, Greg? Do it. 
you know what just I mean? Just start, like, right? Yeah. That I always talk about, you know, uh, I, you know, I had a different path here because it was a different time. But the advice that what actually got me through is the fact that I did it. Like, you know, I, I went to Mizzou to get a degree in journalism to go write for EGM or GameSpot or whoever would take me, right? And I graduated with that degree in journalism thinking I'd write my own ticket and I'd just be, I'd be able to walk into anywhere in the whole wide world. And when I applied, nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole. And I went to work at a local newspaper in Columbia and after a year convinced them to give me a video game column that was weekly and a video game blog that was as much as I wanted to. And so I did it, of course, every day. And... I applied to IGN. Uh, it was my 13th application, according to my Gmail. And I got contacted, interviewed, and hired within 24 hours. And so when that happened and I got here and I signed the paperwork, I said, what changed? I've been ready to go for a year and a half. And they said, you proved you could do it. You were suddenly, you know, you were in journalism school. You weren't writing every day about games. Now you were, and you proved you had a voice, and you knew what you were talking about, and you could work on it. So now that was just writing, which is simple. Nowadays, to do what we do, do everything. You have no reason not to. You have all. I mean, your phone can take voice memos that you can turn into podcasts. And mm-hmm. what w- you're doing right now, when you get started, isn't supposed to compete with what DLC is or what YouTube is or anything. It's you getting experience, so that by the time you're ready to take that next step, to go somewhere big, to be on a bigger show, to do all this stuff, it's second nature to you. You know, what I mean, this. You guys can talk about it. This podcasting stuff it is a muscle it is a skill and when you first start you worry about our when do i breathe when do, am i interrupting how do i t-? you know eventually it just becomes like okay you, somebody could walk into my bedroom in the middle of the night throw a bucket of water on me and film me and i'd be ready to go you're on camera I, talk okay i, I can think do it. i saw that video on your channel <laughs> <laughs> oh it was similar you're right yeah yeah that was similar but that's the thing is like you should be blogging you should be vlogging you should be youtubing you should be doing reviews you should be doing podcasts you should be doing Everything, whatever you want to do, you should be doing so that you have the experience under your belt. Yeah, I think that the lesson that I hope people take away from Greg's story, and the, certainly the one that I hear when I hear him tell it, is work ethic. And and that, it, you know, it's not just do it. It's do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Do it when no one is listening. Do it before anybody knows who you are or cares what you say. Just keep doing it. You know, you, you hear him say, well, I... You know, I got hired in 24 hours. It sounds like overnight success, but it was the, what, you said 17th or something? Yeah, it was a path from the fourth grade, you know what I mean, to then being, what, a a year and a half out of college. So it wasn't, you know, I had been putting in the work trying to get there. Yeah, and and certainly, you know, you love talking about video games with your friends, uh, I'm sure. Um, What's his name? Bradley? Uh, I'm sure you love uh, talking about video games with your friends. I'm sure it sounds like an easy, fun life to to do the kinds of stuff we do. And and in a lot of ways, it is. You know, I I have no complaints. But it's certainly, as Greg was saying, is something that you get better at. And and hopefully, you know, we've gotten a little bit better even in the lifetime of this show. But, um, you know, it's something that you, you just develop a good work ethic and the more you do something the better you get at it and the more you do something and the better you get at it the more people will hear it and hopefully you'll uh you'll end up making tens of dollars like we do (laughs) (laughs) christian you have anything to add to that i would think about why you want to get into it um and the road that anyone else describes is not going to be the road that you're able to follow it's a hard punishing low-paying road and for most people it never brings any form of success or notoriety and if you're happy doing anything else, do that and enjoy games as a hobby. Um, and I don't mean that to be overly discouraging, but and I don't mean this to be in, in, insulting to myself, Jeff, or Greg. But you know, Greg is had 
hard work and work ethic, but also wonderful circumstances and quality of content to back it up. Jeff, same mm-hmm. thing, right place, right time, if you believe in outliers. Um, when you're born, it matters because you're at the forefront. PewDiePie, you know, creating fascinating and, and riveting content to, for people to watch, but also coming, being the right age at the right time to do that, where no one would watch a 60-year-old person do that if they were making the same content. Um, so you're 19 would, and you're... I would be fascinated to watch a 60-year-old go like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> I don't think you would. Uh, <laughs> you're 19, you're coming up, know what you want to do. Like, what do you really want to do? Um, and then also be willing to deviate from that path because I wanted to be an attorney and um, then I hated it. <laughs> so be flexible <laughs> and, and realize that your your passion does not have to be your job. Uh, a lot of people have great jobs and um, make a, a great living and are very happy. And then their passion is golf. And not everyone can be yeah. a pro golfer. And that is yeah. okay. All right, guys. I, this has been a, a fascinating episode. I do want to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. And we haven't done our, our usual bumpers. But this one, I'm going to play. Because it is a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Greg, I saw an Instagram of you playing Exploding Kittens. Oh, yeah. Is a gigantic Kickstarter success uh, board game, card game. Um, so tell me about playing uh, Exploding Kittens. Did you dig it? I did, yeah. Like, I don't play enough tabletop stuff. You know what I mean? Pretty much Monopoly. That's where it stops for Greg Miller because they yeah. perfected it, and it was great. But, yeah, I, I, went to, <laughs> I went to Andrew Renee's birthday party, and she had all these games out. And, yeah, I got I sat down and was playing Exploding Kittens with uh, Tim Schafer and my girlfriend and a couple other folks. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was it was simple to pick up, right? That's always my bi- – it's, it's much like the Final Fantasy argument. I always don't want to slow down the group with these things. I don't want to jump into this and not know what I'm doing. But, like, nobody knew what they were doing with this card game. And then we all got on board pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. So tell me tell me how you play Exploding Kittens because I don't even I wasn't really keeping up with the Kickstarter. Uh, so tell me how you play. So the idea is that you set everybody on the table, you deal out the cards, right? Everybody gets a diffuse card to diffuse their exploding kitten, and then you take uh, the deck and you put in one less the players of all the exploding kittens. So if there's five players, you put in four exploding kittens, shuffle the cards up, and then play. And so people are drawing, playing other cards. Like you can see into the future, you look and see what the next three cards are, so you can kind of place it around like okay here's how i want to play this the next one to pass this to do this to discard that uh and then you're getting other kittens like taco cat or whatever and if you get three matching taco cats you can put them down you can choose different things you can steal certain cards from other players so you could theoretically i could look at the deck see that in two turns right it's going to be an exploding kitten i could play if i had them three taco cats then go to the person who would be getting on the third turn that exploding kitten steal their diffuse card then it would go around they'd blow up they'd die and they'd be knocked out of it and obviously there's more to it there's a whole bunch of different Mm -hmm. uh cards to play and different things along those lines but that's the gist of it is to be the last person standing and not get an exploding kitten that kills you Jeff, fun? Was it? Was it fun? Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was fun, and it was. It's one of those games where you know, the first game you're like, okay, I'm getting it. Second game, you're like, all right, I think I got it. And then third game, you're starting to screw people over on purpose. Like <laughs> I, 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 you know, I led the rebellion so that everyone at the table was taking my girlfriend's cards. You know, and just like we're just, you know, you start picking on people and having you build those little narratives throughout the game. Yeah, that's fun. That sounds great. I, I, you know, I didn't jump on that bandwagon when it when it was rolling. I know that I have several friends who've gotten it, so I'm anxious to try it myself. Uh, it seems like a fun, accessible party game and with a, with a theme that everybody can chuckle about. So yeah, and it's got it's got all this art from the oatmeal, the guy who does the oatmeal. All the cards right. are super cool, and you just want to look at them. 
Awesome. Uh, I'm excited to check that one out myself. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Nerdtacular event. This is a, a fun game that I'll, I'll bring up just because you're here, Greg. I got to Ooh. try out the... Um, I like to see uh, an early prototype of Cryptozoic's upcoming Ghostbusters. Oh, game. how is it? I've been watching it. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's very much what you would want out of a Ghostbusters game. You can play any one of the the core Ghostbusters from the original movie, and they all play differently. They all have different stats and sort of work like tanks or DPS or healers. You know, they ha- they have sort of a role to play on the team, uh, which is which is pretty cool. And they they have different special powers that they can activate during the game. And you're, you know, you're walking around uh, a map of the city. I was, I was only able to see this prototype version. It was only one of only three prototypes that exist so oh far. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but it was you're very cool. much not the final, not the final, you know, component quality. It was like poster board with like printouts on it. But they had the 3D printed figures, and a lot of the fun of this game is going to be the fact that there's a massive amount of of little miniatures that come with it that are. Um, that are really highly detailed. There's tons of ghosts. There's, um, there's, uh, you know, a Slimer. There's all the ghost pictures. There's a little Ecto one. There's a full, like gigantic stay puffed marshmallow man. There's a, um, Vigo. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. So, um, you're you know you're wandering around as your people moving through the city and there's different portals that open up and ghosts pop out of it and you have to try to trap them and you like you literally lasso them with little uh wooden circular tokens that represent oh, nice. your uh you know your proton your stream beam, yeah your yeah. stream yeah yeah uh anyway uh really fun really cool uh looks looks neat and you can hop into the car the ecto one and drive around at certain points and there's like a separate there's a separate board that is like the spirit world where you can get banished to and monsters can come from. And there's a separate board of the of the car. When you hop in the car, you put your guy on the board. Lots of cool components. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a pretty fun game. So nice. I'm, I'm anticipating that's going to be from Cryptozoic. Uh, they, they're a company that specializes in sort of, um, you know, uh, properties based on IP. So I, they did the Walking Dead game and a bunch of other stuff. So I, Does I, it have a release date? I think so, but I don't have that information in front of me. I don't I'll want check. to be wrong. I think it's I think it's uh I think it's the end of the year, but I could be wrong about that. I'm on it. Don't worry. I'll let you know before the show. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, uh really cool. Uh all right, guys, let's wrap up this episode. We do oh, have Oh god, the show's ending a lot quicker than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll have that by the end of the episode. All right. It's the end of the episode. Where is it? Um <laughs> We uh, we will give you our parting gift uh, at the end of the show. Um, Q4 2015 is all it says right now. Yeah. Woo. So that could be early next year because the way Qs work is weird. These damn but, Qs. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're going to give you a parting gift before the end of the show, but uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Greg, this was awesome. I'm so glad we made it happen. Thank oh, thank you, you so for, much for having me, guys. Thanking, thank you for carving out some of your busy schedule for us. It's really a pleasure. It. I do yeah. anything for you guys. Oh, likewise, likewise. Anything. <laughs> Um, do you have uh, places to point people to if they want to see more of your stuff? Sure, yeah. Come, please. Check us out. Go to kindoffunny.com. K-I-N-D-A, funny.com. It's got all our YouTubes on there, our podcasts, our Twitch channel, and you can figure out all the Twitters from there, too. Awesome. Christian, how about you? Um, we are forward in time, so have you figured out? Uh, you and I are going to be at PAX. Yes. I'm sure Greg will be there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so come see us live. We'll do a live DLC on Saturday of PAX, the August 27th at 29th. 1 p.m. Your dates are all weird. 
Is it 20? I'm so wrong. Whatever Saturday is. Sort it out. It's the 29th. Jeez. It's the 29th. I don't know anything. Yeah, 29th. Uh, Saturday the 29th uh, at, uh, at, uh, at the PAX. And I know we have some, some rad people, uh, some totally rad people, that li- some devs that listen to this show. Um, you can email us at uh, DLC Feedback or um, my email, christian.spicer at gmail. Um, Jeff and I are going to try to do a little something if we have some time at PAX to start putting something together that could be really cool. So um, if you have free time maybe at PAX to chat for a little bit, uh, send either DLC or myself an email and um, hopefully something cool. Maybe it will come out before the Ghostbusters board game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Anything else you want to plug, Christian? You can follow me online, uh, Twitter, at Spicer. And, um, you know, just... uh, Keep listening to cool stuff and tell your friends about things that you like and tell us about things you like. Like I said, there are shows that I uh, and, and games that I don't get to play, but I love hearing about them, and I will always try to put in the time when I can, even if I'm intimidated by it. So uh, I love our community, and thanks for being a part. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I was uh, enjoyed most about this episode was the fact that we are able to work in so many great questions from the community. So keep sending those in, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, apologies that this one wasn't live. We're usually live on Mondays uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific time, and we incorporate the live chat room. So uh, we love that that group of guys and gals that hang out and watch the show with us, or I should say listen to the show with us. But um, we'll be back. I'll be back next week on Monday. We'll be back to having a live show. So um, really glad we were able to do this this special episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada with two N's and one T. Uh, check out the Slash Filmcast to hear us talk about movies and, or hear me talk about movies. And uh, check out my comedy show, We Have Concerns. In fact, Greg was a guest on that not too long ago. So you Crushed can check it. that out. Yeah, he did. It was awesome. It really was fun. Uh, wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's send the people off with a little recommendation. Why don't we do that by giving them a parting gift? Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Hey, Greg, do you have a suggestion of something for people to do that might not be a video game that take to, you know, get them through the week? Of course I do, Jeff. It's time for everybody to go out and catch up on Batgirl. Nobody, not enough people reading comics, and Batgirl got not, not a relaunch, but a new creative team at issue 35. That You all need to pick up issue 35, jump on board from there. They're up to issue 42 right now. It's a great read. It's different. It's light. It's fun. It's not all dreary and dark and horrible. Yep. Awesome. Um, I'm a little worried about convergence, but... Uh... We're already on the other side of it. It's fine. Nothing changed. Okay. Other than the whole the whole Batman thing. Right. It didn't affect Batgirl. <laughs> it hasn't affected it actually made Batgirl's comics a bit more interesting because now she's got to deal with that. Yeah. That, um, yeah. It's a longer yes. But yes. Yes. How about you, Christian? You got a uh, you got a parting gift for the folks? I'm not saying consumerism, 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 but what I am saying is frame yo stuff. Take the time. Take the money. Like put it in context? Yes, and describe <laughs> what you're talking about. Take take the posters off the sticky tack, off the thumb pins, get them framed. If you're in L.A., this dude framing devil, James Stevenson and I have used him. He's amazing, incredible. Find your person. Maybe it's not Aaron Brothers, but just take the time, man. Uh, geek and nerd memorabilia is great. Do you know what's even better? It in a nice frame hanging on your wall. You will not be embarrassed. I have Mario posters above my bed because they are framed and amazing, and my wife loves them. I'm saying frame yo stuff. All right, frame your stuff. Uh, I'm going to give my recommendation for a book. I agree people aren't reading enough. Uh, this is a book that is kind of 
really outside the subject matter that most of the people listening to the show might expose themselves to, but man, was it good. It's a book called All the Light We Cannot See. It won the Pulitzer Prize for 2015 for fiction. It won the Andrew Carnegie Medal for excellence. Uh, This is a great novel. I just finished it. It's called All the Light We Cannot See. It's by Andrew, oh, excuse me, Anthony Dewar or Doer. Um, It's about, it takes place in World War II. It's about a little blind girl and a German soldier. And that doesn't sound interesting to me. Probably doesn't sound interesting to you. It really doesn't. It doesn't sound interesting to me. And I didn't, I almost didn't read it. Uh, My wife recommended it to me. She loved it. It's the way this book is is told the language used it's riveting it's fascinating uh the language is is amazing and the coolest part about this and the reason i'm bringing it up on this show if you don't read because your mind wanders you you can't hold your attention whatever this is the perfect book for you chapters are like a page and a half this is the perfect book for add this is it's amazing he's able to compress important events into such small chapters, I always felt like I had a stopping point, which ironically awesome. led, me, led me to read it faster because I was like, well, if the next chapter is only a couple pages, I can read another chapter before I go to bed. Usually when I'm reading a book, it's like, well, I'm not going to start another chapter. It's like, I'm never going to make it. I'll fall asleep or whatever it is. And this, ironically, I just kept going and I would find that I would read more just because I always had a good stopping point. And the chapters almost always end with this cool little hook or cliffhanger or turn of phrase that's like, Oh no! What what's going down? Really cool. So I ch- uh, check that out. All the light we cannot see by Anthony Dewar. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks to the folks at DLC, or excuse me, at Five by Five for uh, allowing us to do this early. And thank you guys for bearing with us. I hope there wasn't some crazy news story that we missed. But uh, thanks to Greg Miller and Christian Spicer. Thank you to you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 